Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Hello, listeners. I'm here today with Lori Herbers. Lori Herbers is an empowerment and spiritual love coach. She's the author of two books, Second Chances, How I Turned Hate into Love and Found My Purpose, and her second book, Becoming Abundance. In her youth, she struggled in abuse and trauma, carrying the pain forth into adulthood. Hating life was her home and daily struggle until the day she decided to change her thoughts and beliefs and pursue love with a fervor that superseded everything else. Now her mission is to guide over a million individuals into the fullness of love so that they can pursue their purpose with passion and love. She is passionate about others never having to go another day, feeling worthless, unwanted, unloved, feeling guilt, shame, pain, and judgment. Welcome, Lori. Glad you're here with us in our show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Lori, I'm, I would love to hear this story about how this abuse and trauma came up and how they were transformed and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing now. So if you don't mind, take us through that journey with you. Okay, so I was the youngest of four and my dad actually only wanted two kids, and, but he had two girls. <laughs> so he was like, okay, we'll try one more time because he wanted a boy. Well, he had his boy and they were supposed to be done. So right off the bat, um, I was unexpected and he, I don't know, there was something within him that he saw me differently. Um, so he was always telling me I was stupid and worthless and I couldn't do anything right. And I would never amount to anything. And I remember just always trying to be perfect. I, th I kept thinking if, cause at first it was, if I could just get really good grades, cause then, then he won't tell me that I'm stupid. And I was getting straight A's, but he still would tell me how stupid and worthless I was. And so then I was like, well, maybe if I'm just perfect. So I tried to be quiet and I always follow every single rule and was never where I wasn't supposed to be, even though he would still blame me for being places that he thought I was, but I wasn't. And it just, it just, it just came my thought pattern. So because I heard it all of the time of how worthless and dumb, and then it just became my reality. All of his words became my words, became my belief patterns, became my truth. And so I was living a very unhappy life. I was filled with so much anger because I truly believed that I was unlovable because if my father couldn't love me, no one could love me and that I was just lacking in something. 
there was just something about me that kept people from being able to love me. And so I carried that for a really long time. I even became a mother that way, unfortunately, um, that you model those behaviors. You don't even realize that they become your truth. So it was my truth. Um, and so I modeled that to her and I look back now and, uh, and I could have shame and guilt, but it was just a part of my journey. It wasn't my whole story. And my father passed away suddenly in 2009 and I happened to be married at the time. And so when I went to go bury my father, my husband at then decided he should go too. That was a great time to leave because I wasn't there to stop him <laughs> basically. Um, and so here I'm sitting feeling even more of a failure because I couldn't make a marriage work. And the one thing I wanted in my life was to hear my father tell me he loved me and now he was gone. So I could never ever have the one thing that I wanted. It was basically, I felt taken from me. Um, I grew up Catholic and so God was always a part of my life and I just blamed him for everything. I'm like, why do you, it, it got to this point. I remember it was summer and it was storming out really bad and I was just done. I'm like, I really believed that I was worthless and this was all my life was ever going to be in it. It didn't seem worth living because who wants to live in that kind of anger and, and hate towards themselves. And I remember going out in the storm because it's just storming and it was lightning and thundering and I'm just yelling in the sky like, oh, why do you hate me so much? I don't understand what I did. What did I do? What did I do to deserve all of this pain? And as I'm out there yelling and so angry, and I think back now, my neighbors were probably like, what in the heck is she doing? Because I mean, it was like, it was there, like the storm was right there, lightning could have hit me. And I wouldn't have cared because I truly believed that if I was gone, no one would miss me. No one would even notice, which is really sad because I had a daughter, she would have noticed. Um, but I was in so much pain. And so when I was yelling in the sky, I heard back, why do you hate you so much? And I literally just froze outside. I was like, whoa, that's true. And so that realization came on that I do hate myself. And so I was at this point of like, what do I do? What do I do with that? Because I don't want to hate myself. I want to have love. I want to have all these things that I see other people have, this joy. And, um, and so that day I decided like I had to make a change. Otherwise I was going to be stuck there and I didn't want to be. So I started to journal and every day would just kind of every evening, I should say, because I was a single mother and I did everything I had to do during the day. And at night I would get out my notebook and I would start journaling and I would start digging out all of these words of hate and anger that I had and just started pulling it all out of myself. And there were specific memories in that always, it was almost like these, they haunted me. I couldn't get rid of them until I realized I could go back into them and fill that memory with love and look at it from a, from a grown up perspective versus the child that I was, because when you're little, you don't have the mental capacity to be logical about what is happening and, and realize that sometimes things don't have anything to do with you at all, but yet we take on all that weight. And so there, I remember there was this very particular one because my grandma passed away when I was about 10 and my cousins were visiting. And I remember going down to go visit them because they were little, they were like maybe two and one, my little cousins. And so I was really happy because they lived out of state and they came to visit. And so I went down to go visit and there was an ambulance outside. And I remember going, oh my gosh, something happened to one of them. So I go running inside just to find out that my grandma had passed away. And when I went to go get a tissue, she was still in her chair. And so it was very traumatic for me. I didn't understand death. No one talked to me about it. My mother was so distraught that years later, years later, we had this discussion about when grandma passed away. And I'm like, yeah, I remember dad bringing you in and you were crying. And she's like, you weren't there. She really legit didn't know I was there. So she didn't even know I experienced that. And so she just couldn't figure out like there was a 
She's like, there was just a switch in my loving, huggy girl. All of a sudden, it wouldn't let anyone touch her. And she didn't understand what was going on. And back then, because you're so little, I didn't understand how to process death, life and death and all that other stuff. I thought that I had something. So I kept going to that kitchen. I was There was like a piece of my energy stuck in that kitchen, which I didn't realize until a few years ago. Actually, when I was writing my first book to try to get um, that story out and let people understand that you you can come from abuse and trauma, but you don't have to stay in it. You are able, you can heal from it and learn to love yourself and forgive all of what happened. But that memory was still there. I had done so much healing, but for some reason, I just kept that memory just kept pulling me back, pulling me back until I realized there was like a repressed memory because I could remember being in a kitchen. I just never remembered leaving it. And I think that's because this piece of me, that energy of me was still stuck back there. And once I claimed it, oh my gosh, it's like I took it back. And so that was actually why I wrote my first book was just to help inspire others to understand that that's just a part of your journey. It's not the whole story. You can turn a page and grow and change and become who you were supposed to be when you came here. Um, And then after that, so that would have been last summer, actually. And then this year just really plugging into my intuition, understanding who I am and what I'm about and my purpose. That's where the second book just kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like, you're going to write this book, Becoming Abundance. And I was like, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but I trusted intuition because it got me this far. It, it healed me. It helps me so much. And so I started writing it. And um, every morning I ask myself, what am I supposed to do today? Because we get so bogged down with our list and, and thinking we have to be busy all the time. And one of my practices now is every morning I lay there and I'm like, okay, what am I meant to do today? And I remember this particular day because the night before I had this giant list of things that I wanted to get done. And I woke up that morning thinking I'm going to do all this work, but intuition was like, nope, you're, this is self-care day. You need to take a break. And I was like, what? <laughs> do you see my list? What is going on? I don't know. Um, and so I listened and that's the key. It's not just about hearing intuition it's actually following through. And so I followed through and I was just kind of hanging out here, doing some reading and just relaxing. And I sat up and the whole outline to the book just was there. And I was like, whoa, this is what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that book. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the whole journey, like your life is a journey and it's just about learning and accepting and loving and embracing all of that you are. So yeah, that's kind of a quick version because there's a lot more in there, but that's kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so let's, let's talk about that, um, the transition that you made, you know, you talked about the realization that you had when you were out there in that thunder and lightning storm, and, you know, talking to God and having that, that voice come back to you. So, so Mm -hmm. you have that realization that somehow you hate yourself. And this idea that comes to you that you should write down these emotional um emotional words that have to do with what you're thinking about how did that how did that come to you that formula um honestly i think i vaguely remember this book that i read and i remember thinking i don't really like this book but there was just one thing in the book that it talked about a pen and said take a pen and ask god say hey god this is the pen in my hand use it to tell me what you want me to know And so that was in my head at the time. And so since he was the one that was like, why do you hate yourself so much? I just made, I guess to me, it just clicked in place. Like, well, you're right. So since you know this about me, help me. Here's the pen. Help me figure out how to love myself the way that I'm supposed to be loved. Because 
it was just so I, because for years I blamed him. I blamed him for everything. I'm like, why did you bring me here? If this is what my life is going to be, I just don't understand why you hate me so much. But when he flipped that script on me and made me realize that I have to take ownership for my own choices and my own actions, like my life didn't just get me there. I was a part of that process. Even if I was un, unconsciously making these choices, I didn't realize how it was affecting me. And so, yeah, it was just something in me just clicked to say, here it is. Here's my pen. Help me. What do I need to do? Help me, you know, help me help myself. And that's kind of what started the journaling. I also wanted to touch on the, the interesting comment that you made about the energy that was left behind uh, in the kitchen and the story about your grandmother's death. Um, because, you know, one of the modalities that I use is called curanderismo, which is Mesoamerican medicine. And one of the, one of the things that we talk about is how soul loss occurs and how a piece of your energy or a piece of the soul really gets left mm -hmm. behind at the place where a susto or spiritual fright takes place. And it sounds like that's exactly what you experienced when you talked about that part of your energy being left behind there. Can you describe how you got it back? Um, yeah, I guess that again was just kind of following the energy trail because once you because once I embraced that whole love energy, because love itself has its own energy, um, I went back to that memory and just filled that memory with love. I gave forgiveness to my parents for not realizing I was there. And I gave forgiveness to my father because he was a huge part of that repressed memory. Um, and and I like that you brought up the whole, that you leave because your soul, which is interesting because I call it a soul wound. Because after I walked away from that thing, I from that moment, I was carrying this soul wound which I guess makes sense. So a piece of me was left there. And I really feel like that piece of me was that innocence, that ability to have wonder and awe and magic of my youth was just left there because here was my grandmother in her chair and she's not alive anymore. And it did it. I just couldn't make sense of why did she die? Like, did I have something to do? Cause that really was part of it was I was so afraid to die myself and that um, I was part of the problem. Cause like after that, like the whole bunch of people in my family, we, I was going to funeral after funeral. Like, I just remember that being little and I'm thinking, what did I do? Like somehow I was thinking that I had something to do with that. How, why are people passing away? What did I do? And so I think I like the piece of my innocence and joy and wonder and magic was left in that kitchen because I was so wounded in that whole scenario that, yeah, like because I like I legit couldn't remember leaving the kitchen until I was writing my book and went back to that memory and then was like this moment of oh my gosh I didn't realize this had happened it was so profound that I had to sit down and go you know my my mind was like that can't be right but my soul knew like I just started sobbing um, and I don't really I'm not gonna go into the whole thing because my I didn't really share it with my family what happened because I didn't feel like it was something they needed to drag into their life that my father had done. So, um, but this realization that, oh my gosh, that's why I couldn't remember it. It was so horrific that I legit couldn't remember why or how I left. And so this piece of my innocence of my soul was just waiting for me to come back and reclaim it. And I could tell the difference um, just in my demeanor. It's hard to explain, but bringing back, because when you think about the youth, the innocence of children, they don't not logically think of that doesn't make sense. Like all the awe and wonder of miracles and manifesting was just stuck there in that moment. 
And so, yeah, like this host, like all these thoughts and everything of how manifesting works and everything just all of a sudden came to me after I went back <laughs> and like reclaimed that piece of myself. So, yeah. And that energy all of a sudden comes back. Yeah. And part of, part of that, that youth that you left behind that day. So my other question is, you, you described intuition as being this guiding force for you. So how would you, what, what do you attribute getting that intuition to? What, what happened that allowed you to open up to that intuition? Um, I think that we all have that already in us. It's that little voice. It's like, don't do that or go right. Or you should call this person or even just you remember someone and then you run into them. I think because we're all connected. Um, and I believe that all knowledge and wisdom is in that collective whole. And when you start to understand and learn about yourself, because I was digging back in and getting to know who I am and why I do the things that I do. And plus I listen when we actually listen to that voice, then that voice gets more prominent, not, not louder, but more often. And the more that I listened and followed through, the more I would hear and the more I would see how, oh, I'm glad I did go right because there's a huge accident left and I've been really late. Just little synchronicities like that, that where you're like, oh, now and that makes sense. And because I started plugging into it, the more I would hear it to the point that I don't even have to really think about it. It's just always there because I've opened myself up to that. I guess that energy of me is open to the knowledge and the wisdom of the world. And so. <laughs> well, I love your story, Lori. Let's, um, let's now move into how people can, how our listeners can use some of this inspiration and this information that you kind of downloaded um, both from obvious sources and through your intuition. Um, your two books have very, very different um, purposes but let, let's let's talk a little bit about how the listeners can use something from the formulas that you came up with okay um i think the biggest understanding as far as intuition goes is understanding that you are a piece like the, the world is a giant puzzle you are a piece of that giant puzzle so first of all you matter and you're important and your existence here is so very needed um, and I feel like the more that you plug into who you are, so start asking yourself, you know, what do I like and why do I like it? Because sometimes our parents are like, well, I don't like broccoli. And so you hear that as a kid and then no, you don't like broccoli. But if you tried it, you might actually like it. So it's about really learning about who you are and everything that makes you tick. Why does that trigger me when someone cuts me off? Or um, why don't I like mornings? You know, start really digging into who you are. And then as far as intuition, the way to really start opening that up is just ask yourself, a question like start simple. Um, do I want an apple or a banana for breakfast? And then pause for a moment and see what you hear. And so if intuition says eat the bananas, you eat the banana. So the more that you connect and follow through with that connection, it's like the dimmer switch of a light. The more you turn that switch, the brighter the light gets. And so the more um, you align with actually what's all within you. Um, and I do like the, the practice of every morning too, just when you're waking up, especially when you're not quite awake and you're still kind of asleep is when that subconscious door is open. You are more, that's why you have the, sometimes you wake up and you're still in the middle of a dream. That's a great time to ask yourself something. Like if you're stuck on, like if you had this something going wrong and you were like, why is this happening? That's the time to ask because that flow is wide open. It's easier. 
That's why every morning ask yourself, like, what do I need to get done today? So maybe you have this whole list and you're not even sure what you wanted to do. Ask yourself and say, what do I, what should I be doing today? This or this and listen for the answer and then trust the answer. Even if you're like, what? Cause when I had that big list, I was like, what? Have you seen my list? I could have dissed it and just went and tried to do the list, but we need that moment of quiet and time to just be so. Beautiful. So that's, those are some good keys to understanding how to unlock our, our intuition and also to, to fulfill our, our sense of who we are and why we're here. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about what, what's going on in your second book. Uh, it seems like what we've discussed mostly has to do with your first book. What's, the, what's your second book, Becoming Abundance, about? Becoming uh, is about embracing and enhancing your unique design, which is about going in and understanding who you are. And it, go, and it does touch on intuition. It does touch on knowledge. It does touch on wisdom. It touches on everything that would make you you and understanding that you are this magnificent piece of the puzzle and that you have your own brilliance of why you're here. But if you're stuck in, un, you know, in that unworthiness or limiting beliefs and you have all these blocks that are keeping you from making that light shine really bright because we're all meant to shine but we can't make that light shine if we don't know what we're supposed to be doing or who we are. And so this book is all about embracing who you are so that you can step in and just really make your own light shine. You're not worrying so much about what everybody else thinks you should be doing or who somebody else told you you were. You're becoming who you are. Because to me, you're always becoming something. This is about choosing what you're becoming. Because for all those years, I was constantly becoming unworthiness because that's all I thought it could be. So I was every day was planting that same seed. And so the next day I, I was harvesting, you know, seed in a harvest, I was still harvesting that unworthiness. It wasn't until I decided to start planting different seeds could I then, you know, shine my own brilliance. So it's all about, basically, it's kind of more of a hands-on of what I did to turn my hate into love. It's more of a hands-on so people can get this and go, oh, that's what I do. That's how I'm going to get into my intuition. And, 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 oh, I am important. And I am a piece of this puzzle. And I am supposed to be, yeah, I'm uniquely me. There's no other me. Now, in yeah. your life, would you say that, that that change happened in a moment? Or did it happen slowly? Like what, in other words, what crystallized that, that turn, that 180 degree turn? Um, I would say it was kind of, I would say it was really gradual at first because I had so much to unwind because I almost feel like it's just like this big ball of yarn um, that I had to to sort through all the different things that I was believing about myself that were not true. And so I had to sort through all of that. And that I would say I spent a lot of years on. Um, But I want to say once I really realized what I wanted, because I believe once we know what we really want and we seek it, we're going to find it. It got to this pinpoint where after, because it was actually 2015, because one of my really close friends decided we weren't friends anymore. And it just like shook my whole world, which is when I realized that I'm like, no one should have that kind of power over me. Why did that make me fall so hard? And that's when I really was like, all right, I'm gung ho, 100%. I'm going to find this love that I know exists. And so that, I would say probably a really good year of solid, but then that was also you know, really diving into intuition and really understanding that I didn't have to be in my headspace. I could live from my heart space. And so it was an adjustment between the difference because it really does feel different when you're in your logical mind versus heart space because your mind is always worry and stress and what ifs. 
but heart is all peace and joy and love and acceptance and zero judgment. And so it's like, you had to reacclimate. So it was like a year of reacclimating from that head logical space of that. I don't understand how that could possibly work because when you're in heart space, that innocence that I was missing is because I don't need to know how it works. So let's just talk about a moment about that, that shift from head space to heart space. How would you advise people to make that turn? Um, what I did, what really helped me is to think of the one, like there's usually a memory or for me, it was my daughter. So something that makes you smile, like you cannot stop the smile. Like now it's my cat, my cat's crazy. But at that point, what I would remember is this memory of her. She's about two and a half, you know, that real giggly, playful stage. And I, we had this really small hallway, but she had this little rubber ball and I would kind of kick it down the hall kind of towards her. And she would just giggle and scream and run into her room. Like she was, ah. And see, you're already smiling. See what I mean? So when you feel that smile, that's heart space. It's now it was maintaining it. So coming from such a dark place, I would get a smile and it was just immediately gone. That's how fast I would revert back to my headspace because I was so used to headspace. So it's about practicing. And I literally sat here and watched hours and hours and hours of video of her when she was little, just to stay in that love space. So it's just, it was just a daily choice of choosing every day moment. After, I actually set an alarm to go off every hour so I could go, wait, where am I at right now? And I'd be in my headspace and I'd pull myself back to heart space. So it's kind of like when you go out in the cold and you come into the warm and, and you put your hand in warm water, it kind of hurts. That's that kind of thing. Cause it's uncomfortable. So being in heart space, even though it felt good, it wasn't my normal, you know, frequency or vibration I was used to. So I had to re acclimate to it. So in your example, so um, you you get into your heart space by by thinking about your daughter and then even by playing the video and getting into it and smiling. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do with that? You just keep building on that because once you start to understand that feeling, the easier and faster you can get into it. And plus doing the alarm helps me to remember. And now what really works for me is just... Um, saying like these acclamation kind of things like i'm so happy and grateful now that you know whatever you want whatever is the thing that you want to have or attain that makes you just really feel good like i have a whole list on my refrigerator and in the morning i just read the i cannot get even halfway through it and i'm already feeling so good about myself because there's so much that we can have if we allow ourselves to receive it so yeah you keep practicing until you can till it's because once you have it now when i step out it's like the opposite. Now that I flipped it, when I try to go into headspace, I'm like, Ew, I don't like that. <laughs> and I step back because it doesn't feel good anymore. Now, what about in writing your book? I mean, it, it was interesting to me that you you described this way that that by cultivating intuition, that that the outline for the book just kind of got dumped on you. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to writing a book, I can see that you want to tap into your your heart space. And you still need to use some of that mind energy to, to get mm -hmm. the book written. So how did you maintain that balance? Um, well, after I had like once the outline came, that was the logic. It was already outlined for me. So I only wrote when I had inspired action to do so. It wasn't like, oh, I got to get this book done. I didn't want any of that energy. I didn't want that lower fear, lag, hurry kind of energy in that book at all. Because I wanted people to read it. And, and just feel that loving energy as they read, because 
that's important for them to start feeling it because even like it's I guess the best example is when you watch those drama movies that are really drama and you start to feel it and you're like oh my gosh and they're gonna get you know it's that but reverse I want them to feel that oh my gosh I matter and I'm I'm love I am love and yeah so I only wrote when I was when I was inspired when I would start feeling words already coming out of me I'm like Oop, chapter intuition and I would go <laughs> so yeah wonderful well what a perfect ending for our podcast episode so Lori, it's really been a pleasure can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you if they want more uh yeah my my um business is called so love legacy so you can go to solovelegacy.com is my website um you can find me on facebook at so love legacy you can find me on instagram at so love legacy you can well linkedin is Lori herbers if you look for linkedin um but pretty much everything is so love legacy. You can message me on Facebook. You can message me on LinkedIn. You can message me through my website. So, yeah. And why might somebody get a hold of you? What What is your business exactly, Lori? Um, well, I have courses, and and which is funny because my very first course I wrote, I sat up and wrote it too. It was just one. It was just came to me, and it was um, turn loving yourself into a habit. I just literally sat up and on a Sunday, and there the whole thing was, and I was like, ooh. And I just wrote it. It took me a while to make all the videos, but it was like right there. Um, so I have courses. I'm about to have another pro. I'm actually doing a challenge this week. <laughs> so it's just, I just kind of go flow. Like I just like, I'm going to do this challenge. And so now I am. But yeah, I have courses, programs. Um, you can get VIP is what I call one-to-one -one coaching with me. If you just want, you know, you don't want a group setting or I do group settings. So <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, Lori Herbers. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.